0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Awake Not Baked. Sorry I've been MIA the past few weeks, I needed a mental health break, but hopefully this um, new episode will be worth the wait. Um, Today I'm joined by my friend Harold. Um, I had to have him on the podcast because we're both extremely obsessed with music. Um, And Harold works in music. What's your... What's your exact title again?
1: Um, it's A&R, A&R, which stands for Artists and Repertoire. Mm-hmm.
0: And what is that exactly?
1: Um, it's kind of the role in the company or in record companies that um, is charged with going out, signing talent, um, developing them, yeah, and then kind of everything up until the release of the record technically at which point you know the marketing teams you know the other people sort of take charge yeah. um so yeah
0: so do you like by working in music like in the business of music do mm. you ever feel like it takes away from like your actual passion of music or your enjoyment of it because you're seeing like the money side
1: i think that it forces you to listen to music or be engaged with music that Kind of a night, you know, when you go back from work, you might not necessarily listen to. Yeah. Um, but I find that very fascinating. Like, I find that, you know, the more I'm faced with music, the more kind of extraordinary it becomes for me. Um, like, all the different genres, all the facets of it, all the people that are involved with the making of it yeah. that I kind of find fascinating. It doesn't really take away from the things that I love because it's just those that, those, you know, music that you love is so intrinsic to you. It's part yeah. of you know how you feel in a certain moment how you feel at a certain point in time and you can't take that away from anyone despite no matter how much music you might listen to that you don't want to you know
0: so after we went out to shimza Mm. on friday with Helen, um i was like talking we were on the flight like oh like I feel like maybe if I were to like go down the law path, which is what I've been intending to do Mm. to qualify as a lawyer, like maybe I should do something more like media law where I I get to like go into these creative industries. And so when we got to um, her house and her sister was there, um, her sister reads tarot cards. And so (laughs) I asked her to like ask about like media law and if that's something I should focus on and it was like all really bad cards (laughs) it was like so she pulled out like a a sequence of like six different cards yeah and like the first one was like fresh idea she was like is this like something new you've thought i was like yeah like literally two days ago um and then the next one was like like greed and materialism and like people like protecting like what they own and stuff like that Hmm. um and then it was like all the rest of the cards are like me feeling drained and like disappointed that like i maybe like the way like the enjoyment the excitement that i have yeah in that like area is like taken away from me because i see like the dirty side of it have you ever felt like it was it's like dirty
1: well it's funny i mean i remember i did my first tarot card reading and my only tarot card reading when i was 12 years old (laughs) Uh, my friend sasha's bat mitzvah in <laughs> Hampstead, and i remember being Sounds in this like dark. really dark room that i'd kind of got lost in this sprawling house yeah. and this sort of lady she's exactly what you wanted to look like with crazy hair yeah. and she just said harold you're gonna travel a lot traveling for you is really? gonna be you know what you're gonna do and it's funny because it's turned out to be true and i spent a lot of time traveling and i love that aspect of my job um but the dirty side, um, I think there's, I think you get a lot of different characters that work within music um, and, you know, that allows for a certain sense of dodgy dealing because it's really an unregulated business in a sense. It's just about people. Mm-hmm. And it's people that run the show, and it's people yeah. that dominate, you know, how contracts are constructed, and you yeah. know, all this kind of thing. And and I think that that makes it totally different from, uh, you know, other sectors that are much more heavily regulated and normalised yeah, and corporate. You know, music yeah. really, even at its most corporate level, is still sort of crazy and chaotic. So um, when you
0: like, when you want to sign someone, how much approval does it have to go through? Like, what's the process of like? Kind of winning over that artist,
1: um,
0: or do you have like a lot of autonomy? I mean,
1: I think it's it's a fascinating process because you. I was just having my hair cut, and the the lady was saying, "You know, so how do you find artists?" And the thing is, is that, yes, you go to gigs, yes, you do that, you know, and and you've got to be sort of super in tune with what's going on, yeah. but often it's like the most random, moment that might happen, you know, maybe it's, it's often it's like my some of your best friends send you something, and you think that's crazy you know Hannah you might I send me something <laughs> you've sent stuff. me a lot of stuff you've <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna basically try and basically doing sign. your job at this point <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> I think you know more about Afrobeats than like some of the people in London that are meant to know the most. <laughs> um, not to name names but um <laughs> yeah I think so then so kind of so you so you get given something or a lawyer sends something a manager or something just comes on your desk by chance um, you like it? You think it's cool? Then we, as a company, we all the A and R's kind of have like a weekly call mm-hmm. with our boss, Patrick, and you know we pitch. So you know we, we, I'll pitch. Um, let's say I wanted to sign Loj, you know, and I say, look, let's say his publishing is coming up, so his copyright, you know, so his deal is up. Um, let's talk about that. You know, which point I'll play the music, and everyone. I think it's great when, you know, it's best when people. Everyone has an opinion, Mm -hmm. and you know, we kind of come to come to an understanding of yes, okay, right. This is something that we want to do. Then we'll think about what that deal might look like. Um, At the same time, there's obviously that period where, you know, you want to get to know Loj, you want to get to know his team. You want to get to know his lawyer, you know all the all the kind of important characters in his life, all yeah. the people that are, you know, helping him make decisions. You know, you want to go and go and speak to them, and then kind of, I guess, you pitch the company and say, "Look, you know, this is kind of what we're doing." Yeah. So there's a bit of the salesman, yeah, thing going on. Yeah. Um, but I think obviously, like, what's really important is that you have a good personal connection with, yeah, with him and with them, you know, and the, and the music that they're making, um you know at which point it then kind of switches to the legal aspect and the commercial terms of the deal and whether that is going to be acceptable to them and to us and and there's a bit of negotiation and then eventually it kind of you know sometimes it just happens and sometimes it doesn't
0: and in terms of like the creative direction of an artist like what they want their music to look like yeah um how much control do you hold over
1: that so I think it would be worth explaining that the company I work for is split into two segments. Okay. And in fact, the whole of the music industry is split into two segments. Mm-hmm. You have the record industry, which is yeah. uh, record labels, and you have music publishers. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of two parts of the same coin. I think that the way that I like to fr- like think about it sometimes is, you know, at school, you know, you'd often talk about... Um, Kids in school will be like, oh, Mount Everest is not actually the tallest mountain, you know. And actually it turns out the tallest mountain is some other mountain that is just really heavily submerged underwater. Yeah. And publishing is that kind of all that which is submerged underwater. It's 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 the music itself, it's the writers that are involved, it's the producers that are involved, it's the actual writing, the copyright of records. Um so publishers are kind of concerned with that element of things. Mm -hmm. And then you have record labels that are just interested in you know, the artist And, and, and what the artist is going to release okay. um, So, you know, if Frank Sinatra Is going to sing a song Written by Aretha Franklin Or the other way around You know, the publishing money Will go to Aretha Franklin But Frank Sinatra will keep the money um, You know, for the yeah. record, basically And that's split into two So if I'm helping someone um, Make a record I'm really heavily involved in it Because mm-hmm. that point is like Okay, you know, we'll, we'll go set up a hundred sessions with a hundred different producers and writers and creative teams and people and then we'll like really carefully narrow that down to five songs or six songs that we really think are the ones that you know make sense for the project which are the best ones which one has a has single potential so you're involved in that oh absolutely yeah that's that's literally what what i do um and then and then for somebody that i have as a writer so for the publishing side it's about really getting them as busy as possible getting as many copyrights you know as as they can possibly create and yeah. so that element of thing is kind of more relaxed in a certain sense but i you know it's about creating a musical ecosystem around them yeah. rather than just like really carefully fine picking and fine tuning yeah. five records that that we want to release as part of a project yeah um, okay.
0: so you told me that you went to um, Ghana and Nigeria which I think is so cool over the Christmas holidays was it? Mm-hmm. which is also the best time to go apparently yeah, it's, the time. it's just like everyone's partying Detty
1: December is what is, is what, is <laughs> what, is what is that period is cool. you
0: saying it with your <laughs> posh English accent as well it's just <laughs> hilarious God,
1: you, you've got to say it as well <laughs>
0: dirty december (laughs) no comment (laughs) um how was that
1: it was insanely good it was amazing i think we well i i kind of came up with the idea of going there in september when i signed uh well actually yuji i think i signed in kind of earlier on in the year but that was really like my first signing into the world of Afrobeats and, yeah. and the world of Ghana and, and Nigeria and things. And and then I think we, Yuji actually posted a story on Instagram of this kid called Amazing. And I heard one song and I thought, wow, this is incredible. And there's a yeah. song called Already. And it was just really, really beautiful.
0: Oh, there's one like. Da-da-da. That one
1: Yeah With DJ tunes, Yeah with DJ tunes, Exactly yeah. And I kind of just thought Wow And I called up the manager And said look I'd love to work with you guys um, And he said brilliant You know well you should come to You should come to Lagos Is that where he lives? Uh, Which is where he lives And, I, and so I thought yeah That sounds like a great idea Um, I mean I, it was kind of just fictional in my mind I didn't think it was actually going to happen Yeah and then um, actually a manager of um, King Promise, who's become a great friend of mine called Funks, who's, who's, who's really is the sort of king of Afrobeats in London. I mean, he, he's just this wonderful bouncy character who everyone loves and, and knows everyone, and he's just brilliant. And he's also Kamido's manager, and you know he knows Small God, he's, he's very in the mix. And he said, look, you've got to go to Ghana, you know, for New Year, that's the best time to go. Yeah. That's when everyone goes, New Year, it's crazy, you're going to love it. Yeah. And yeah, before I knew it, I booked my ticket um, to go. If you are planning on going, by the way, listeners, you should definitely book early because it is super expensive because really? everyone everyone buys their tickets now. Like, it's really? just crazy. Do you um, think it's
0: because of the rise of Afrobeats as well? That is-
1: I think there are a lot good. of people going back for... Well, there were certainly this year a lot of people going back before who who had never been, especially from the US. Okay, there were a lot of like um, Ghanaians who live in the US who have never been to Africa who were going to for the first time, and yeah. I think definitely the Afro Revolution, the Afro, but it's not just Afrobeats it's just the whole the whole art scene. Everything is kind yeah, of exploding. Um, so it really felt like a special special time to be there. Yeah, um, but Can Ghana you- is sorry
0: can you tell me about the airport story again (laughs) (laughs) that was hilarious
1: which airport story there were a lot of airport stories (laughs) I I mean I mean I remember just touching down in Ghana and within 30 seconds someone asked me for my yellow fever vaccine card and observed that I'd only got my vaccine the week before and within 30 seconds I had three people asking me for Christmas gifts no way <laughs> despite the fact that Christmas had actually gone at this point <laughs> um, that's so funny. so that was kind of my first and then I mean and then the, the and then it was there was a bit of sandwiching going because then I when I was leaving Nigeria I had this flight which was booked for 5am um, which was going via Morocco and I I remember getting to the airport and at 2 a.m. And normally I like to co- go to an airport just an hour before. But, you know, everyone yeah, so. had warned me about the Nigerian airport. It's, yeah. you know, go, just go early because it's chaotic in there. Yeah. And, you know, watch out. And so I get there. It's sort of dead night, 2 a.m. And I, I genuinely... I mean, it looks as if the whole of the airport was shut. There were no lights on <laughs> anywhere. No, stop. So I was walking <laughs> for about 10 minutes along <laughs> along the aisles. And just, there, was, there, was, there were no people. <laughs> And suddenly, I see um, one light, which is kind of, which is on, and about 2,000 people crowned around uh, one check-in desk. And I think, fuck, there is absolutely no way that I'm going to make this flight." And, you know, everyone's got, like, five, six, seven suitcases, like, all wrapped up to the nines, like, (laughs) because they will bring so much stuff back. And I think, fucking hell, like, what am I going to do? And, um and luckily so this guy comes up to me and, and what's also strange about the Lagos airport is that um, all the people that work there they they wear mufti they don't wear uniforms <laughs> so everyone so it's, in, it's impossible to tell you know who is an official who is not, an, a non-official <laughs> who's a swindler <laughs> like it's, it's just a total game of illusion were you by yourself and I was by myself and um, this guy comes up to me and says if you help me I'll help you and I did have a bit of cash that I kind of because I wasn't going to get the exchange so I just thought okay fine I'll just give you a little bit so I gave him about the the equivalent of $10 Um, at which point he literally took my passport and leapt over these suitcases onto the moving conveyor belt as it was still going (laughs) and checked me in behind the official check-in guy um, Did anyone say anything? No, it was totally normal. <laughs> Apart from the sort of angry people waiting, you know, <laughs> who, who aren't getting checked in by That's the so official checking guy, and um, <laughs> and he chucks me back my thing, my 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 boarding card and my and my passport, and then that was it. Yeah. But then and then I get so then now I'm through, and I and then <laughs> then I go to security, and the passport checking desk, and. You know, I'm the first one there now because I have skipped this whole queue, and this lady was sat there, passed out, asleep, snoring, <laughs> and I think, okay, fine, listen, I'm not gonna wake her up. I'm just gonna crack on, you know. So I'm literally about to go into the to the security gate, and um, uh-huh. suddenly I hear from the other side of the room, "Why did you not wake me up?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so I go back, and she's she's she's. She Were starts, you scared? no no she was, she was very nice but she wanted money again and I just that was the one gift I was not willing to pay because
0: for her not doing her job
1: yeah that
0: is so yeah. funny
1: for her, not do, for her to, to be sleeping and asking me that, no getting angry at me for not waking her up <laughs> I, I thought that was just a little bit too much you know? <laughs> I'm a generous person when it comes to that's that. where you draw the line that's where I draw the line mm-hmm. so
0: you know how you sent me that dancehall documentary? Because mm. I told you that that was like the first genre I really got into. Um, so, and then I sent you that picture of like me eating my, my pasta and then like the documentary in the background. You're like, there's something funny about this picture. <laughs> and I was like what do you mean and then I looked at it and I was like oh god <laughs> like this it really made me think like firstly your comment but also like the whole documentary I, I told you like how, it kind of made me feel guilty that like this whole time since i had been listening to that genre like since I was like 15 16 I started listening to it because I just thought it was like hilarious like I just thought like the way that they speak the way they're so crude and like so like violent and like just like aggressive was just like funny it was like entertaining to me and so like that's why i was like drawn to the genre because it was like fun and different and then the documentary was kind of like extremely serious and showing how the reason why dancehall is so like gritty and like crude and like aggressive and violent is because that's how they've grown up like their culture in jamaica is like all about being like super super tough and like going through like they've gone through so much and like they've had to deal with a lot of violence growing up and like that's what's reflected in the music so if anyone releases dancehall music that's like soft or like gentle like that's not taken seriously because it's not real like jamaican music that's like kind of what they were saying um and then it also made me laugh just like seeing like me with my like pretty pastor like just like observing on the other end like this different culture that i didn't really like appreciate like why the music was shaped to be that way and then i was thinking again yes was it yesterday when you showed me your friend hasib's um is that his name yeah yeah been. um he, so he's got like a, a radio show mm-hmm. every wednesday and he was playing like reggae caribbean type music mm. And like in between one of the songs, he was just like, what did he say? Something about how he really appreciates like Caribbean music so much because even though, despite the fact that they're like one of the most oppressive cultures in the world, they've put out and shaped like one of the most positive, like, like, yeah, like positive kinds of sounds and like no matter what they've gone through, they always find something to be grateful for and something to be like positive about. And so when he listens to like reggae or that kind of music, he's always like reminded to like not just like go about life huffing and puffing, like just to like have like a light-hearted attitude and just mm. always be relaxed and like always learn to have fun in any moment. Mm. Um, but I really like what he said about that, mm. and it's so true.
1: I mean, Hasib is one of the marvels i think of of contemporary music culture mm-hmm. in the way that he has documented stories of um you know musicians coming out of jamaica musicians coming out of africa everywhere and and but doing it with dignity and detail and but also joy you know and yeah. fun, you know he's funny yeah um i mean an example of that is i sent him a few years ago um I remember he he I sent him this song and he, I think he was in France and he was by a beach and sent him this song by Hugh Mundell. Um, and it, Hugh Mundell is this fascinating character that he's ended up doing a lot of research on and a lot of thinking about, but we both became captivated by the story of this, this artist from Jamaica called Hugh Mundell. And he released his first album I think in when he was about 14 or something and he has this angelic voice mm-hmm. totally angelic and it you know it, it hadn't even broken I think but you know when he was doing his first record and it's a very high pitched, beautiful kind of tone to it and um and Augustus Pablo was a big admirer and there's this amazing video that you can find on YouTube of the two of them um in sort of by a river mm-hmm. and Augustus Pablo is kind of playing his you know the Augustus yeah. Pablo instrument I'm not sure what it is but with, with the sort with of little pipe and the and the and the and the fluty sound and Hugh Mandel is sat there on the bank singing in this voice and you think this guy how do I not know about him firstly secondly he you could have. He has that power and charm that Bob, 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 Bob Marley has, yeah. in the way that he captivates. Mm-hmm. And tragic story, which you know, ended up terribly, which is that he, when he was 17 years old, just at the very point when everyone was talking about him and thinking about how, you know, really spiritually but also musically, he, he was going to be the next mm-hmm. guy to come through. He got shot. And you're always reminded about and and, it, and it's 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 funny because sometimes you listen to dub music, sometimes you listen to um, you know, the the and it, it, it's got this kind of joyous spiritual quality to it, but it's always, you know, the violence, the, 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 the torment is, is never too far away. Yeah. You know, and that's central to the music is I think that play mm-hmm. between the, the pain, the violence, but, but mm-hmm. also the the longing and the hope. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the music itself is kind of bringing you. Yeah. Um, and that's what I find amazing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why I like Afrobeat so much. I just mm. find it like compared to other more pop, I would say now it's like a very popular sound. It yeah. wasn't a few years yeah, ago. Yeah. It's a form of pop. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, but, you know, compared to other mainstream music these days that are charting, the way that they talk about women is never like well hardly in like a derogatory way it's Mm. always like so like worshipping of like females yes and kind of like pining after them and like just like always like lifting them up and then like they'll never be like bitches hoes or anything like that Mm. um and also just like the way everything is so melodic and like their harmonies are just so good it just like makes it just makes you sing you know and even like their rhythms are just so danceable yeah anyone can dance them whereas with a lot of like hip-hop and rap i find it's the kind of music that feeds your ego mm. like you know like look at me like i've got all this money and like i'm dripping and da-da-da. like mm. it's always like you know when you listen to it you're meant to feel like good about yourself in a sense that you're superior to other people Mm. whereas with afrobeats the feeling i get is like you feel good about yourself like in relation to like the wider community like you're you feel connected with everyone you like want to dance with people you don't feel like you're like looking down on anyone ever Mm. you know um
1: i I totally agree with that and i think that um the, the 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 striking contrast in my mind is that you know, a lot of American trap. I mean, we sent some trap music to one another like yeah. recently, and I think there are definitely moments that I really like. But like, yeah. I think you know, the the problem is, is exactly as you say. It it kind of draws in on itself. It's about yeah. the individual. It's yeah. about the drip it's about being cool yeah. but, but not in a kind of extroverted way like yeah. in a sort of introverted sense and, yeah. and it's about a, a sense of passivity you mm. know about about the world mm. and, and and smoking weed and lean you know and all yeah. these kind of drugs that are really just about drawing into oneself yeah that's so and true. I think that um you know if you take Rema for example who yeah. is just a an incredible artist yeah. like I can't <laughs> just I, I haven't been a fan of someone <laughs> like Rema like ever like for so long like yeah. for, since I was probably about 12 you know yeah. I was like a super fan of a band called Bombay Bicycle Club that I just was obsessed with yeah but 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 the thing is what I noticed about Rema is that if you see him everything he does is characterized by a sense of energy mm. everything all the music like even the, there's there's I think the music video of one track that he did with a UK rapper i can't remember which one it is exactly but you watch it and the whole video is him just running he's running in this car he's running out of the car he's running towards this girl yeah. he's dancing in the party and he's coming out you know it's just all this sort of physical yeah. strength and movement and and then you see him live and it's exactly the same experience It's yeah. the same you know i saw him in paris where he came and really? did a did a did, a, did, a, did, a, did a, i was at a club and he just came on at, at midnight, and it, suddenly the whole room Did was like. Did you know he was going to there? No. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was unannounced. Oh, my God. We were just at a club during fashion week, and then literally he came on stage. That is sick. And it was oh, the my best, God. It was the best night ever. Did you cry? No. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. But yeah,
0: we've... We, I, I said this to you before, but, like, also I think what feeds into that whole, like, lack, less... Literally... Wizkid's last album is called More Love, Less Ego, right? <laughs> but like that I think that is just like the theme yeah. of Afrobeats and I, we've said this before but like the way that the guy's voices are often quite whiny and high pitched mm. and almost a little bit feminine I think it kind of, I don't think they mean to do it but like mean for it to be this way but I think it's reflective of the fact that they're not trying to be so hard and like so like, I don't know toxic masculine and i don't know trying to show like superiority over other people whereas with a lot of like trap and rap you know even with grime people are trying to like sound so hard and like just so like it's so so true what you say i mean
1: um, Wiz is a good example. Uh, Ram is a good example. Amazing as yeah. well, who we both love. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening should check out Amazing. Um,
0: how do you spell him, his name again? It's
1: A M E X I N. Okay. Um, and actually, if you listen to his songs, like his vocal range, um, is so it, It's so high that it's, it, it he, you, he sounds like a girl. Mm. When he sings, he sounds like a girl. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to listen to. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um,
0: like, Us, the Jagaban? Yes. Is that a guy or a girl?
1: It's a guy? I think it's a guy. I think it's a guy. Yeah. But I,
0: for like, the first six months of listening to Us, I thought he was a girl. Yeah. Because you, of... You can often
1: yeah. think that. Exactly.
0: Um, yeah. I think it's so true, just like about... And, and also, like, particularly west african culture is like it's a very like communal like family kind of oriented culture Mm. um and i feel like maybe maybe i'm reading into it too much but like with you know rap and trap which is like originated from america yeah you know the country is all about like capitalism and individualism and like kind of the rise of the self and like bettering Mm. yourself and there's less of a culture of like bettering the community i feel like it's all about individualism
1: i mean it it was it was fascinating when i went to uh lagos Mm -hmm. i we 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 we, um me and my partner um kike um shout out kike he's a brilliant (laughs) man um and he's also the manager of amazing and, and manager of a bunch of young producers um who are incredible and and together we put on this writing camp and so we so so we did these invites we to reached out to about 100 people and they all made applications and then we kind of went through and and, and mm-hmm. picked 20 of the of the writers and producers and artists that we thought you know would could could be the best mm-hmm. and in the end we rented out a little airbnb we had um little
0: (laughs) (laughs) harold has does this thing of like just saying everything is little
1: (laughs) but it's not condescending it's it's with love (laughs) um and so every and and what was funny about it was that everyone knew of one another yeah so they were all instagram friends but they never met really and so it was the first time they all met and Within twenty minutes, it was a one big family. Yeah, it was. A, we called it the Sonic Rares family, and we had an artist, um, a visual artist, who was in on the sessions, and he was painting whilst the sessions so were going on, and it was just wonderful that the, the synergy between everyone. Yeah, um, we had some amazing, you know, in, in London, there are there are a few female producers, but there are, there are not that many. It's mainly sort of guys who are, who are doing the production um and uh we had five or six girls who were engineering producing writing mixing Mm -hmm. uh also artists as well you know and everyone could do everything yeah you know in 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 london or in the u.s you know all jobs are quite kind of restricted in a sense and you know you have your role there everyone has learned how to do it has learned because just just out of the sense of this is what we're doing music is life yeah you know this is the this is this is us and and that sense of community was was an incredible that came out of it yeah um and, and all roles were interchangeable yeah and that that was a wonderful thing i think from from that week if yeah. i remember
0: so in the writing camp did was it for one artist
1: no so so the the so actually what we're going to do with that writing camp is we have about 15 songs and i think that the 10 best ones what we'll do is do a kind of compilation album with 10 different artists that came yeah and so you know each song was made on the camp and it'll be a sort of it'll be a memento to to the few days we had together yeah um in the beginning how long
0: does it take to well how in that writing camp for example for like one song to be made is it hours or is it like weeks
1: well the way that it happened was it was quite layered so on the first day we had the producers who were coming in mm-hmm. um and working with certain musicians so we had a musician called fa jazz who's a brilliant guitarist who's played on a lot of joe boy records played on a lot of Wiz records um is just a brilliant brilliantly talented guitarist he actually plays with fella's um nephew and so he tours around the world with him um and so what we were doing is kind of doing loops. So he'd come up with loops, mm-hmm. a loop idea with his guitar. The producer would record it and sort of layer a little beat around it. Yeah. And then the next day we would have the writers who would come in and come up with melody ideas or uh, hooks. Um, so little bits of choruses. Then we'd record that. And then on the third day we had the artists that would come in. So by that point you had the production ready. Yeah. You had the some harmonies or whatever ready to go, and then they would come and sing and record their verses and record mm. their songs that makes sense um, and so by the third day we had th- the initial stages of a song and then the producers will go back the following couple of days you know work on them refine yeah. them a little bit um you know and then and then they're ready
0: so with Amazon's album or ep or mm-hmm. whatever were you like heavily involved in that then
1: no that was all before it was all made pretty much um when yeah, by the time I'd even reached out, yeah. those songs had been recorded. Okay, but we we were recording songs for his next album.
0: Okay, I'm excited.
1: Which is exciting. <laughs> well, we're trying to get him, trying to bring him over to London, yeah. and and hopefully do a debut show with him. And yeah, just gotta sort out the visa.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I'm actually gonna name this "More Love, Less Ego." That's a good.
1: That's a good title. That's
0: a good title. <laughs> Thanks, Wizkid. Um, Do you remember when we met? How we first talked about music? No.
1: Yes. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) when?
0: So we went to the pub with um with Yeah. Was it the same night as the comedy night? Oh no, we went. Oh no, so we went to a comedy night first, and then the next week we went to the same pub. And they had like a little band playing yeah. on the little stage, and you were quite drunk <laughs> as usual. <laughs> as usual. <exactly. laughs> and you were just standing there, like you're like. So what do you think of this band? And then I was like, Yeah, I quite like them actually. Like I'm really enjoying it. And then I was like, It kind of reminds me of like Moses Gun Collective. And <laughs> you just looked at me like, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, interesting. <laughs> and then, um, afterwards, I said to him, I was like, "Yeah, he had like, he seemed like so confused and bewildered by like my mention of Moses Gun Collector." He's like, "Yeah, you know what Harold does, right?" I was like, "No, what does he do?" He was like, "Yeah, he works in like music." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> So He was probably quite excited. <laughs> and then, um. I remember when we played tennis. I don't. I don't know if Rowan's told you this. What did he say? <laughs> so he was like, "So we played tennis, right?" And then I saw Rowan afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Oh, um, has Harold t- told you any like stories about like you know his job?" And I was like, "No, not yet." But like, I heard like how he got the job. And he was like, "Okay, tell me what Harold t- told you, and then I'll tell you." what the real story is <laughs> 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 okay, so what i, I want to
1: hear what his version of events was
0: <laughs> okay so what you said was kind of like this whole vibe of don't really know what like music is or, like i was always interested in music but, like didn't really think of it as a career and like didn't know what R was and whatever yeah, yeah um and he was like yeah that's the first thing that's bullshit like he is so strategic he knew exactly what AR was. <laughs> and he was like, Because <laughs> <laughs> you, what you said to me was, Yeah, and then, you know, I got offered this job and I was like, What's AR? Like, I said that to my friend who, like, knows music. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good job. Like, you should go for it. And I was like, oh, Okay.
1: <laughs> if I say that that is the truth, intrinsically I know that he's not gonna believe that (laughs)
0: um anyway um what was I gonna say in relation to that oh yeah so but I feel like because of that like our whole I, I knew that like we would get along through the music thing but then like the afrobeats thing was like a complete shock i did not expect that you would even be working in it let Mm. alone be interested in it because honestly like all of my friends like it like they can all appreciate it and if i put it on they'll be like oh this is a nice song but no one has been like as like stuck into it as i have like i've never been able to like say a random song and someone like know what i'm talking about Mm. um so I'm really happy I get to talk about that with you.
1: I think it's, you you definitely catch a bug with it. And yeah. I think it's for all those reasons that you explained before about yeah. the openness of it, the joy of it. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it leaves you wanting so much more. But also the fact that, I mean, I, I did get this sense when I was there that it felt like the right time mm. in the right place. And that was special. Yeah, and I think everyone else felt that. Yeah, you know, because it's it's something that's happening right now, and I think that you know we spoke about Jamaica before. I think that Nigeria is really what Jamaica was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when when that whole boom was happening in yeah, the kind of late nineties, and and, and dancehall was huge, and and really a, a lot of record labels were interested in signing stuff from there. I think that now you know that in a certain sense has shifted to to Nigeria. Yeah um and that's exciting
0: so you know when I was doing my cocoa application <laughs> <laughs> yeah how's
1: that, g- how's that going have you have you have you been accepted yet
0: I haven't actually submitted it yet because my phone ran out of battery when I was on the flight um I was doing it with my friend and I also showed her, like, my answer to the what vinyl should be added to the Cocoa collection. She burst out laughing, she was like, it just says which vinyl. You don't need to explain it. I'm going to read it because it's so funny. But I think it shows, like, how nerdy I am about... Yeah, yeah. Sounds of my world, deluxe, in brackets. By Jules. Jules is a pioneer of the Afrobeat sound, having produced some of the most successful songs in the genre and propelled the genre to the mainstream music scene, i.e., "Skin Tight" by Mr. Easy, <laughs> 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 as well as becoming one of the most sought-after Afrobeats DJs. This album, however, showcases Jules as a hugely versatile artist, creating unique sounds whilst also staying true to the roots of Afrobeats Juju, and his West African heritage. By the way, when I said to my dad, "Oh, like I really like Nigerian music," hmm. he said, "Oh, Juju," and I was like, "What's that?" And he was like, "You know, no, Juju," and he told me that when he was living in San Francisco, um there was like a big like Nigerian community and he once went to this concert which had like juju music and it was he was like the only white guy there um and he was like yeah i love i love afrobeats like that's what it came from yeah 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 um incredible so cool. yeah my dad's like such a music guy as well is he an afrobeats man he likes everything like i grew yeah. up listening to like a lot of reggae yeah. a lot of rock um and he almost dropped out of college to like write music with his band.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy story.
0: Yeah. Out of Stanford. Physics. <laughs> PhD. <laughs> he was really that would have been going down the hippie route. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then I say... Um, this is a truly timeless record that would be played over and over again as part of the Coco Collection. It offers an addictive mix of Caribbean and Latin percussion, poetry, rap, harmony and Afro House, as well as more popular Afrobeat sounds from the likes of Fireboy DML, Hayley and Oxalade. I'm truly obsessed with this album. I cannot get enough. And neither can anyone I have this they're gonna be like absolute no <laughs> straight rejection <laughs> she's so weird
1: <laughs> it's just so funny it, I find it remarkable that I mean I remember that was the, the real conversation I remember that we we sort of explored the our mutual yeah. love is when yeah. we started talking about Jules I think you mentioned Jules because yeah. I had gone um, to a
0: Jules like, DJ event you'd been at a Jules two DJ two days before
1: yeah um and there's a track by Jules called Teeth Teeth. Mm-hmm. And I think it was my most listened to song of 2020 and 2021. <laughs> <laughs> In my Spotify rap. Wait, I don't know I what know it is it. about this track. But it just <laughs> it just captures me. Yeah. And that was when I got introduced to Yuji. Sarcody's also on it as well. Mm-hmm. And... Um it just it was it just became a funny thing that in the end yeah. it usually became my first signing it was this just track that I was obsessed with and sort of by chance he yeah. kind of we stumbled into each other's hands and, and that became a nice moment. Um yeah. but yeah, I remember that really being the first kind of modern Afro track yeah. that I was really into.
0: Did I tell you about how I got into Afro Beats?
1: No, what was your story?
0: So I mean I think I already Cause I used to like do a lot of like Discover Weekly on Spotify, and I would spend a lot of time like going to related artists, and so I naturally like trickled into that genre, like just by myself. Um, but one of the first songs I listened to was Skin Tight, and um, I remember my friend. So we were all in France at the time, and at the end of the trip, like he his dad was having a birthday party. And we were all invited, and the whole trip before, like leading up to the party, he kept playing this song, like "Skin Type by Mr. Easy. And I already known it, but like the the rest of the group like didn't really know what the song was, let alone Afrobeats or Mr. Easy, whatever. Um, and he kept playing it, and suddenly people started getting into it. They thought, oh yeah, this this song he played yesterday is really good. It's a pretty really good song. Um, and so he like got the whole group to be like super hyped with this song, and then all of a sudden at his dad's birthday party Mr. easy just comes out and starts playing skin tight and i was like classic, like secretly like indoctrinating people <laughs> so that they have a really good time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was really cool and then afterwards i was like just like the energy that like afro beats like brings wow. out in people is just so unmatched to anything else mm. and like the way people dance as well like again going back to the ego thing but when i go to like clubs that are playing like heavy rap or like drake or whatever Mm. it's always just like these guys just like thinking they're so cool and just like it's just really like fueling their
1: their ego i I think it's so interesting i think um uh the genre that i really was obsessed with growing up was jazz my dad has two genres he listens to is classical Mm -hmm. And Jazz, that's it. He does not step out. I need to meet
0: my friend Ella. Um, she's coming tomorrow. Um, she's like, she's got a jazz page on Instagram, and like, she's like super, super into it. She's like in it, yeah, she's in it.
1: And um, I think this thing about ego is important because uh, there's this podcast that I listened to by Leo Johnson, who is the brother of Boris Johnson, and he did this four part series on happiness Mm -hmm. and it's a great it's a great podcast because he goes and has he has these conversations with um, people that live in a care home he has these conversations with these hippies he kind of interviews all these various different character groups and at the end of the fourth series the fourth episode sorry he um he kind of concludes and he's sort of getting closer and closer to his argument and closer and closer to the answer that, it, that he's looking for about what, what is it really that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he interviews this um, professor at Oxford who is you know interested in cognitive science but is also obsessed with, he's kind of an am- amateur jazz um, pianist or something, mm-hmm. And he's been writing this thesis on um, the theory of jazz and, and how jazz kind of relates to the workings of our brain and, and, and kind of thought processes and things. Yeah. And he says that, you know, for me, um, the the being of happiness or the, the, the state of happiness is best expressed um, amongst jazz musicians. Yeah. Because in jazz there's always a structure to a song there's always you know the bridge the you know the 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 different solos that kind of happen and there's there is a kind of loosely coordinated structure Mm -hmm. but for in order for it to really have its magic you have these wonderful moments when the jazz musicians are kind of leaning on the other and they kind of they have that sense of trust in the other and when they're playing their solo and they kind of they're thinking about what the pianist is doing. The pianist is thinking about what the saxophonist is doing, and they're really working together as a team, yeah. but improvising, doing, do, whilst doing that, yeah. and in the process, creating something new. Mm-hmm. And he basically just thinks that that central point is can, can is a good kind of a, just a parable or you know a, a metaphor for how we can achieve you know a true state of happiness, yeah. which is actually really about letting go of the ego yeah and giving yourself away to to the other yeah and and, and you know that in a sense what love is as well is it's kind of doing a similar thing it's 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 not about you it's about giving over to someone else and yeah. i think that was a really big moment for me when i realized that and i thought yeah, yeah that's so true it's so true you know music that really does that and and when you see people working together and creating yeah. something that's that's when it's at its most special yeah yeah um so i so
0: agree And I think that's why I like jazz as well, because just as you said, like in those moments of improvisation, that's where the magic of jazz is. But it's also these moments where you're able to self, like, have self expression, but it's always kind of very intuitive with the other people that are playing with you. And it's kind of like learning to, like, like improvisation in general, I think is about like learning to be more intuitive with other people and learning to be like to create something without like having so much control and mm. like just kind of being in the present moment and just seeing what happens.
1: You you can't be more present than yeah. than that moment. Yeah, you know, that literally. is the ultimate yeah presence. Yeah, like, you know. and, But I think also that the interesting thing about improvisation is that you know, you don't ju- you can't just improvise. Not knowing something, it's yeah. it's not a password to not do your scales. Yeah, you still do your scales. Yeah. The whole point is you know all your scales, but they're in your mind, and that's when your mind is sort of connecting. Yeah, what you've, what, what kind of exists in your head already? That those formulas that you've already learned. Mm-hmm. That you that but but then you kind of, you set sail to them and you say, okay, look, you know, yeah. that I'm gonna I'm gonna open my mind and see how these structures formulate themselves.
0: Wait, this get out. The audio cut off, but. I am now talking about Matthew McConaughey's book Green Lights. Um, it is insane. It's like a, mm, like a memoir. Is that how you say it? Like when you're s- still alive and you're talking about your life.
1: A memoir. Yeah. Um, a what does he say? A memoir. A, a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Mama, then you fucking at me by my fucking accent on the podcast. (laughs) I think the only listener this podcast is going to be run, and he is going to shit himself. So, he didn't tell me that story that's so funny
0: yeah he, he laughed it was so funny no no this, <laughs> this is what happened so he was like okay tell me your own, uh, tell me Harold's story and I'll tell you what's bullshit I was like okay so the story <laughs> so then, he's only
1: half true like, that, <laughs> and
0: then he goes so I go okay so the story started with one day and <laughs> he goes yup bullshit <laughs> It was uh. so funny. He was cracking up, and he was like, "See, this is why me and Hal are the best friends. Like, we just, we we get the skeleton, we get the bones of the story, but then we embellish it so much that we're not quite sure what's truth and what's false. But the bones are still there, So you can't really say that it's a false story." Oh god, uh. that's too funny. Okay, I'm gonna find. So this thing about like learning to be um learning to understand and like have discipline before expressing your creativity stuff like that yeah is something that matthew mcconaughey wrote in his um memoir okay um and so the whole book is basically him you would really like it it's really funny okay um but he basically like uses his old diaries to talk about like funny stories from his childhood and as he grows older but then kind of writes little poems or little notes where he like had like moments of realization and things like that okay and so this one page is called um conservative early liberal late so that's the title and he says create structure so you can have freedom create your weather so you can blow in the wind map your direction so you can swerve in the lanes clean up so you can get dirty choreograph then dance learn to read and write before you start making up words check if the pool has water in it before you dive in learn to sail before you fly initiation before inaugurations earn your saturdays we need discipline guidelines context and responsibility early in any new endeavor it's the time to sacrifice to learn to observe to take heed if and when we get knowledge of the of the space the craft the people and the plan then we can let our freak flag fly and create creativity needs borders individuality needs resistance the earth needs gravity without them there is no form no art only chaos good okay. night no? i really like that
1: please <coughs> you can get dirty it's good <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> i like earn your saturdays yes <laughs> okay well thank <laughs> you so much for coming on
1: thank you very much that and, was
0: really fun it was um i feel like you have to come on another time to talk about jazz yeah we can do that yeah okay well i hope you guys liked this episode as always let me know if there's anything else you want me to talk about if you have any thoughts on what we discussed and see you guys next week bye